everybody. Welcome to season three, episode one of the Puck Around podcast. Uh, I'm your host, David Rosen, along with the boys, Jace Rosen, Stephen Miotto. Boys, we are back after an eventful off season. Jace, we'll start with you. How was the summer? You know, summer was great. A nice, uh, relaxing summer, you know, just uh, you know, resting, looking at my trophy case, kind of seeing it grow, just you know, it's just kind of the casual summer, pretty much. Um, yeah, just both in reflection, really, really what it was. Nice to hear. I, I didn't actually know you won anything last year, but good to know. Good to know. Uh, Steven, how was your summer? Well, I was thinking the same thing because I remember I was the one who won um, the big league, which is for all the audience, our league. Um, so, yeah, I've actually had a very relaxing summer looking at my refreshed trophy case uh but it's been good i'm ready to get back into things good to get this going again and we got a lot to talk about so i'm pretty excited we really do it was uh definitely one of the more chaotic uh, nhl off seasons in recent memory um and let's let's dive right into it with some big news here we got a fun show for you but let's uh let's get into this and I mean, what a roller coaster of an offseason for the Calgary Flames. Like, that's the way I feel like we got to start there. But, you know, your summer starts out with, you know, losing Johnny Goodrow to Columbus. You know, days later, you're notified that Matthew Kachuk wants out. And you're thinking, oh, my God, can this get any worse for us right now? I don't mean to be insulting, but it's the Blue Jackets. Like, it's, it's, it's not like he's going to primetime Madison Square Gardens. He's not going to L.A. I know he was looking for something in the Northeast Mountain family, but nobody saw the Blue Jackets. It's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow for Flames fans. No, you're, you're completely right. And, and what's kind of uh, I've seen early on when Goodrow eventually went to Columbus, I saw many things online about how, you know, the drive to Columbus is, you know, seven, eight hours. It's not like they're, they're that close by in terms of family right now. Obviously, it's, it's the States. That's really was the big thing he wanted to play in. He wanted to play in the States. Like let's, that's plain and simple. And he wanted to get the most money doing so. Like he left money on the table in Calgary. There's no doubt about that. Um, but he got what it was his deal. Nine and a half. Nothing crazy. It wasn't uh no, it's a good, it's a great deal. It's, it's fair on both sides. Johnny Goodrow's a hell of a hockey player, right? So, so nine and a half million for seven years, he cashed in on his free agency period and, and he's going to Columbus. Don't get me wrong. I still think he's going to have a good year. And we'll get into ranking stuff uh, yeah. next week once we, we release that. But, you know, it's as a Jackets fan, you're over the moon. What a summer for them as well. But, you know, getting back to Calgary here, like you're you're decimated at this point. You lost Goodrow. You're going to lose Kachuk. Your two leading scorers from last year. Two guys who scored over 100 points. And they're gone. You just got swept in the playoffs to Edmonton, your rival. Like, it, it, what a terrible few weeks, right? But Brad Tree living out of nowhere, he swings one of the biggest trades probably in NHL history. Maybe that's a hot take, but you know, he, he swings Kachuk for Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, multiple a prospect and picks and a first round pick. Like, like what a trade. Like when I when I came out of my I was in New York extra time when the trade dropped, and Jason sent me a text saying Kachuk to Florida. I, I could not believe it for the next half hour, um, half hour is being loose, to be honest. It was more like two hours. I couldn't get off my phone. 
Meanwhile, the rest of the people on my trip were not really thrilled. And I'm going, oh, my <laughs> God, like, what is going on here? This, this is nuts. The crazy part about this whole situation is just like losing Kachuk and losing Gaudreau and yet still finding a way to actually improve the team, which is it really is. like I, I actually do think the team this year compared to the team last year is is actually better. Like I do think with the additions of Kadri, Huberto, that's another big one. We're probably yeah. That's well, that was one I was waiting to get into yeah. too. Like like yeah. Like that news came out of nowhere as well. You know the rumor for weeks that he's going to the, uh, the Islanders, right? Same with uh, same with Gaudreau. Uh, he's going to Philly. He's going to the Islanders. Like Kadri, months into the summer, a month and a bit. Sorry, signing a huge deal in Calgary, and now so they're like they're. They're a legit, legit contender, are yeah. they not? Like, no, they're legit. I, I think that I think that roster is genuinely better. Like, especially at that that two C position for them, in particular. Like, I mean, you go from who was it last year? I feel like it was a lot more backland than anything in that that second center position. But you go from a backland to Nazem Kadri. Sure, you lose like Kachuk and you lose Kadrow. But you lost still, good players. They, yeah, they did lose good players, did. but they subbed them in probably as nicely as you could. Yeah. Arguably yeah. getting better. And they're definitely deeper on the back end. Like Mackenzie Weger is, is a legitimate top 4D in this league. Like yeah. he's a good player. Yeah. His even strength numbers are always been stellar. And, you know, he is, he's does got, he has got some offensive punch. Like he really doesn't get as much credit for the offensive side of the game because he does have a very well-rounded game. And, you know, I do think he's going to have an opportunity to play some power play time in Calgary. I think that's the big thing. Like, yeah. He didn't really get any of those minutes. Mm-hmm. Definitely not on PP1 in Florida. No. And and that could be a huge factor for his fantasy relevance this year. And, and just for Flame fans in general, like he could really take off. I wouldn't be shocked with a 50-point season for Mackenzie Weger. Me neither. And you know what? Another big thing? Contract here too, right? That comes into play. That definitely comes into play. Like Johnny Gaudreau had 113 points, I'm pretty sure, last year in his contract year. 15, 115, Something I think. like that. He's got to be like top five in the league in scoring. And now Mackenzie Weger comes in, in a position really to thrive. Like, I don't think you can say Rasmus Anderson confidently nailed down the first power play unit um, position last year, right? Like, mm-hmm. there was a rotating cast. There was Shillington up there. Hannafin was in there for a bit. Yep. Obviously, you had Rasmus Anderson. And I really do think that this, this is a really good position for Mackenzie Weger. I really am. I'm very, very optimistic with the production he could have this year. I really am. Now, from a fantasy perspective, like, yes, we can agree. I think all three of us can agree that Calgary has, you know, after the summer they had, as equal as, as made themselves as good, if not better than what they were last year as division champs. But do you, are, are you looking at their first line? Are they going to stack the first line? You know, Kachuk, a Lindholm, a Gaudreau, similar. Are they going to do that again? Because well, then that sort of brings down the value of a Kadri. Because who is he going to play? Amandrapani, yes. That's something to consider even on the defensive side. A Uyghur, a Rasmus Anderson. I actually think bringing in a Uyghur almost brings down value of a Rasmus Anderson if he's going to lose out on people time. 100%. I think you're 100% right. I, I do not have the same confidence that I've had in Rasmus Anderson over the last couple years. Uh, with respect to the offensive unit, I actually do think that Tyler Toffoli will likely slot in. 
uh, alongside Lindholm and, uh, and Huberto. I think he actually might be one of the bigger beneficiaries of this whole exchange. And, you know, Andrew Mangiapane, 30 goal scorer. And he's going to be playing with the Nazem Kadri as well. I think that helps him a lot, a lot. I think anybody who plays with Huberto is going to end up potting a lot of goals. And I wouldn't be surprised if they actually try to balance it out with maybe throwing it to Foley or a Mangiapane up with, with a Lindholm and a Huberto, depending on, on how it slots out. I really think the player to look for is who is going to be the other winger on that top line. That's, that's who I'd be aiming for. And I actually just looking at the defensive points, surprisingly, I didn't even realize Hannafin had 48 points last year. So I don't think if, if Anderson loses hold of the top power play unit as a defenseman, I don't think it's a given that's going to McKenzie. That spot's probably up for open camp. There's, there's no doubt about it. Rasmus Anderson did, did not solidify his spot there. I don't think he was bad. I think he had a solid year too. But Noah Hannafin, like you said, 48 points. You know, so not a lot of it on the power play too. I think 12, 13 points when I'm just looking here. So, you know, and I think towards the end of the year, he did start to get more, more time on that power play one. So it's definitely up in the open. I do think they're going to give Uyghur the shot. I, I mean, we haven't seen any lines at a camp just yet. So we do have to wait on that news. And obviously rankings will adjust based on what we hear out of camp for sure. But, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's an interesting time in Calgary. I'm excited to see uh, how the start of the year goes for them for sure. But let's get into the other Canadian team that had arguably just a chaotic summer. And that's the Ottawa Senators, right? Making one a huge splash of the draft and nabbing Alex DeBrinkett from Chicago. And then days later, signing Claude Giroux. And, and obviously, as Leaf fans, we go on Twitter, we see all this talk now about how the Sens are just as good as them. They're, they've, they're, they're making the playoffs. They're going to knock Toronto out around one. And don't get me wrong, I do think it's going to be a stronger team. I do still think they are a bit behind the Maple Leafs. Um, but what a summer by Pierre Dorian. You got to give them credit. The Ottawa Senators, it might be their biggest offseason ever in their free agent in their in their franchise history. If we're being uh, if we're being honest here, in terms of money spent and and really committing to to a plan to to win here, and it's it's exciting. They're gonna have some fantasy relevance next year for sure. And I'm looking at um, Shabbat. Is really he's gonna be on one hell of a power play unit, whether that's Batherson, Norris, Debrinket, Stutzel, or Giroux. Like one of those five four are gonna have to sit out. So I don't know. I think it's going to be Batherson. I think Batherson is the loser in all this. Yeah. It, but, but regardless of who it is, Shabbat's going to be the beneficiary because that's going to be a yeah, really strong power play unit. You're going to have yeah. Shabbat queuing it, teeing it up for either to bring it on one side. I think it's going to be Norris on the other. But if it's not, it's, you know, it's, it is Giroux probably. You're going to have Kachuk up front. I would have Giroux in the bumper and yeah. Norris and, and to bring it on the wings and the half walls. Um, but either way, it's that's a strong five-man punch, right? And you throw Batherson in there, he can score goals too. It's probably arguably one of the best power play configurations in the league. I mean, it really will be a very, very potent unit. And like, like I said, I, I don't disagree with you at all, Steve. I think you're 100% right here. I think Shabbat is like a clear winner in this whole situation. But uh, yeah, it, it is probably like you said of the best offseason in sense history it's got to be right maybe when they when they sign heatley was heatley a trade it was it was a trade yeah but other than that like you know it, it's been uh it's been dark days for the last few years i guess in ottawa i guess the last few it started to pick up with 
with a bit more of a youth movement coming in, but it's, uh, it's starting to look good. The rebuild is definitely turning around. Um, some other big news that we'll kind of go through a bit quicker here. Uh, Patch ready and burns both being moved to Carolina Patch ready, obviously being, uh, the both traded, both traded over, um, Patch ready. I, I was so excited for him to get started in Carolina. And then obviously he tears the Achilles and, and he's going to be out for the first, you know, four or five months of the year, likely. But I, I, I have a strong feeling about Carolina this year. Obviously, it's not really a hot take. They're a great team. But when those guys are back, I think Brett Burns is going to destroy on that top power play. Like, I, they're a team to look out for, in my opinion. I think they've always been a strong team. But this roster just got, like, noticeably better. Noticeably better. Like, we, you talk about the firepower in Carolina. I think the discussion has long always been around, you know, Aho. The Teravinans and you know Svetch obviously being a monster there, but I do think in terms of the power play, I think Tony D'Angelo is a great defenseman. I think Brett Burns is a step up. I think that's an upgrade. I really do. You add another shot to that power play, another strong shot too. It's another look, and I, I definitely think that we're going to be seeing big things there too. So I don't know if it's necessarily an upgrade because Tony D had a great year last year. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but here, let's, let's he, see what he did. He did. I'm not disputing that. I think he had a fantastic year. I think he's a great playmaker. I think he's a great offensive defenseman. I just think that, you know, if you add another big shot from the point on that unit, you've got all the skill. You've got the Svetch. You've got the Aho. you got Tara Vinen. You have all these playmakers, all these facilitators. And then you just add another look to it with Brent Burns. That's really no, what I, I, think. I, I don't disagree. Brent Burns is going to clean up, but I think he's going to just, you know, kind of slot in just the same way D'Angelo did, right? D'Angelo, 10 goals, 41 assists, 51 points in 64 games, right? Yeah. And, and I think Burns could like get back to a 60 plus point season. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really exciting. And then when Patrick gets back, it's probably going to take him some time coming off an injury like that. But like they're come playoff time. They're not a team I want to play against built really well on the back end. Freddie Anderson, if when he's healthy, he is a good goalie and they're forward. When he wants are, to be, when he wants to be healthy. Yeah. When he wants to be healthy. That's, he, that's the key thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, he's got a bad injury here. Now and, from a fantasy perspective, real quick, I don't want any context behind it, but just to get both of your opinions. No, for sure. Where do you take Pacioretty? knowing four or five months what round do you stash him can't leave him undrafted right like no, do you, no he's, he's do gonna you, get drafted. You leave him available maybe as your last pick you're one of your last three picks like at what point because four to five months is quite a while and i know we've had maybe this is some ptsd for me with covid the last couple of years but those ir spots end up becoming pretty valuable right yeah four to five right. months is a long time they do it is the last few years it's any other day you could get the the old COVID positive and and they're out for at least five days right and it's it's tough to just have a guy on there who's not doing anything you don't exactly know when he's going to be back um just looking at the rankings here jace has him at at 217 in, in the range around guys like jesse Puyarvi, kyler yamamoto mason mctavish uh i i don't think that's that's out of the norm like i might have him a bit higher closer to maybe 200 or so but it's that's kind of where I take him, right? Even when he does get it back in the lineup, you know, last year he had a, he had a tough year, right? Cause he was hurt all year and, and never really got healthy. And it's tough to really get back into He's it. a great player, but it's, you don't, do you want to risk the high draft capital 
for 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 that kind of risk. Like he's not a young guy anymore. I I do think he's a really good player, and I do think he's going to come back and and be quite strong because I I do have that belief. But it doesn't come without risk. No, it's it's half a month of likely. Or sorry, it's half a season of likely a seventy to eighty five percent max patch ready. I don't know if you're necessarily recovering that completely over the course of a year. It's a pretty severe injury. And like, don't get me wrong. I still think the situation is going to help him out a lot, just alone. But, you know, it is a really, it's a bad injury. It's a tough one. And to shake off quickly, it, see, these are not injuries that you get back into it and you're skating right away and you're 100% good to go right from the time you're touching the ice and you're playing again. Like, you need to get back into the swing of things get back into the rhythm of the game, get back into all these specific nuances of just the new offense that you're kind of a part of to begin with too, right? New team. Yeah. It's a big transition. So I I am a little weary of it, but I would just say like, watch the flow of your draft. You know, the kind of player he is, you know, what he could potentially be capable of follow the flow of your draft, see where these kind of players are going. Uh, It's tough to put a round on it because, you know, I could see him dropping towards the end of the draft. I could also see him getting taken by somebody in the ninth or 10th round. You know, it, it'll also depend a lot on where he slots in, in your Yahoo rankings or your league draft rankings to begin with. Right. It has a big influence on drafting. So um, I would just say, pay attention to the ebbs and flows of your draft and, yeah. and your depth. And if you do think you have a good forward depth set up and you're willing to wait out and be patient, then, I think you can afford to make a move a little bit earlier rather than later. I love how I said, uh, throw me around and no context behind it, but yeah, that's great boys. <laughs> no, I think you kind of nailed it, Steve, actually like just like those IR spots are so valuable right now and you only have so many. It's tough to just leave a guy on there for, for months at a time without being able to use it and without having to drop other players who, you know, are, are capable and playing now. Um, so that I'm going to stay away from this year. I I'm not going to draft him. No, really. Even if he drops to me in those late two hundreds, because I do value the, I think the IR spot more than, than having a guy I can stash for, you know, come playoff time, but let's, uh, let's continue on here. We're going to go through a couple bigger moves that we'll kind of dive into more when we have our rankings and, and mock draft show next week. Um, but a few, I did want to mention Vincent Trocheck. I'm excited about him in New York. I think he's going to play with Artemi Panarin and I think he'll, str- uh, fit in right where Ryan Strom was on the power play. David Perron, Andrew Kopp going to, it's going to Detroit. I think that's interesting. Andre Palat to New Jersey. And then lastly here, Burakovsky. We'll get into him a bit more later with my, my hot take, but, uh, and Oliver Bjorkstrand, a player I really like going to Seattle. Let's take a bit of a shift here and have a little bit of fun. Uh, Jace is going to lead us in a bit of a, what we call fantasy Goldilocks. And we're going to talk about some guys and their ADPs. And we're going to talk whether that uh, that ADP is too high, too low, or just right. So, Jace, uh, take us over here. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, the draft position for some guys right now. And these are interesting figures. These are guys that, you know, they might be coming off up and down years. Uh, they have some interesting statistics that they're, uh, they kind of led with last year. And they are coming in at very interesting spots. And you know what? Guys, I just want to know, what do you think? Are too low, too high, or just right? Let's start it off with Victor Hedman, whose average draft position right now is at 14.6. Uh, guys, that's 
you know, beginning of second round value for Victor Hedman. What, what do we think? Well, let me read the room here. What's, what's, uh, what's the thoughts? I am going to go with that soup is a little too hot. Uh, I think we've always talked about there's been a shift maybe in more recent years. There's been higher scoring defensemen. You look at Yossi, you look at Makar. I just think that, you know, Hedman's getting older. He had another fantastic year. Don't get me wrong. I think he had over 20 goals and over 80 points. So, in, in, you know, you look at that point per game, early second round as a defenseman. That sounds great. Do I think that there's going to be some regression to the mean in terms of scoring this year? Yeah, that means defensemen, I think scoring is going to come down. Tampa Bay in general has been through it the last three years, too. They have been three playoff runs all the way to the final round. He's a bit older, as I mentioned earlier. I just don't think that it warrants that level of drafting. You know, there's still a lot of point-per-game forwards that I am more certain will hit point-per-game at 14. You know, it's, it's early second round, but we used to talk about not having a defenseman drafted to late second, early third round. And Hedman's probably the third best, maybe fourth best defenseman behind Yossi Makar, and someone else who might jump up. So I think that's a bit early. It's a little too hot, the soup for me. So I'm I'm gonna say that soup is is just right. And, and wow, I'm gonna add some context to it though, in, in the sense that I, me personally, I'm not the, the draft high on the strategist, but at the same time, I have no issues with where he's going. Like like, Steve, you're completely right. But every time I say Victor Hedman's getting older and the wheels might fall off, all of a sudden the guy just keeps doing what Victor Hedman does, right? Like, he literally had his best season ever last year. And, I, and there probably will be a bit of regression, 20 goals, 65 assists, 85 points. Um, but you're getting probably a close to a point-per-game defenseman. And, and in this day and age, it is a scarcity, right? There is a... A, you know, it's harder to find those type of D later in the draft as opposed to, to forwards who you can, it, you know, it's easier to hit on those kind of sleepers. Um, so I have no issues with going uh, a bit higher on D this year. Like I, I, I'm kind of changing up that value in a sense. Like I have Kale McCarr. We will talk, go into that a bit later. Like I haven't ranked five this year because he's a guy who I legitimately think could score a hundred points. And, and I do have, I have Hedman in my rankings at 26. Um, that being said, I have no arguments with people taking him early, especially if you want to get a let up and have one of those, you know, Bonafide, he's a top five fantasy D like it's going like that's, that's his floor to me. So it's I, just right. It's just right. It's just right. If that's your strategy right. where you want to get ahead and get, get a really top elite defenseman, I got no issues. Not got no qualms with Victor Hedman going in the second round. You know, the issue is I really do agree with both you guys here. And it's funny, Avery, because you have long been, he can't keep on doing this. He can't keep on doing this. That I is, I got to stop doubting it. Though. I like, know, I know, I know. So um, the, the one thing I will say about Victor Heaven, even though I don't think that this is a bad position for him, I am a little weary of this uh, Sergachev extension. I would like to see the dynamic there. If there is any more, you know, easing him into this, this kind of number one role. I do think Hemmings the guy, and I think that's going to be the case at least for the next couple of years. But maybe we start to see a little bit more of Sergachev in these situations, especially with an eight and a half million dollar cap hit. I think he's now getting paid more than Victor Hedman. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it sets in next year. Um, 
regardless, I believe the AAV is a little higher and I think it might start to transition more towards Sergachev being relied upon, but I do think that Victor Hedman at 15 or 14 is, is definitely still solid value. And I do think he is a top three fantasy defenseman and probably a top two defenseman in general. So um, interesting, interesting. I like to hear the perspectives here, especially Avery's change of thought. Next guy has had a kind of a up and down roller coaster career. He's had his highs. He's certainly had his lows last year. Very nice season. Good season, good bounce back. Uh, fellas, what do we think about Timo Meyer at 37? So Timo Meyer is quite interesting. Um, like you said, Jay's kind of an up and down, really good start to his career in his second year with 66 points and 78 games. So then kind of disappointed for a few years. But last year, 35 goals, 41 assists, you know, almost point per game, 76 and 77. Um, on a you know San Jose Sharks team that you know isn't the greatest don't get me wrong it's it's probably gotten a bit weaker actually this year compared to last year for well, I guess I'm thinking about the power play but but uh, you know looking at it Eric Carlson will probably slip in there I'm, I'm changing my mind even as we're speaking um, that being said Eric Carlson does need to stay healthy I, I, I it's a little hot it's a little hot for me it's uh, it's not I, I'm, I'm staying away from it because last year you know I got him closer to the seventh eighth round where you're you're like oh my god and it turned out to be an unbelievable pick but you know in that range you know I, i'd rather take guys like you know philip forsberg wilton william nylander uh i would probably take jack hughes patrice bergeron you know lynn holmes probably going around that time those are guys i'd be looking at more so than than timo meyer i think uh i think he's just right i mean he's 25 uh, and probably the first time he was the one of the go-to guys. I mean, we've had Couture in early years of his career. I'm sure that there was other players there. Brent Burns and Carlson had a big, you know, as uh, even though they're defensemen, were big point getters on that team. But, but, you know, if you look at the years, you know, he started off, he had that 138, I think 38 or 40 point season. Then he had the 66 points, which would have put him right around 22. 22 years old, you're putting 66 points and then the team is going through a transitional phase. And then, you know, you become the guy and you put up basically a point per game at 25. I'd be pretty happy if he's even just 70 points in 82 games at 36. So I'm not saying it's a reach. I'm not saying it's a steal. I think you get 70 to 80 points out of the guy at, at 36. You're just right. So I actually think that uh, I think I might be uh, on Steve's side here. And, you know, initially when I first saw this, I was actually a little, uh, a little, a little uneasy about it. You know, this has been somebody who has had, you know, you know, he's 76 points last season, 77 games. Well, he had 31 and 54 the year before. So there is still some level of risk involved with it. That being said, when I think of these top round guys, I think the upper echelon guys, have a lot more power play production to show and Timo Meyer, yeah, he doesn't really, his numbers don't really come off the page when it comes to the, the, uh, the extra man advantage. Um, he actually had a career high in five on five points last year. If we're talking about shooting percentage, he's still kind of along his career average, 10.7% uh, with a 10% uh, career average. And I really do think that, there actually might be potential for growth on the power play this year with Brent Burns gone as kind of crazy as that might Bold. seem. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, it's a 35 goal score, right? Um, 
you give your goal scorer more opportunities to score goals and shoot the puck, which I think he will have now on that power play. Listen, there's certainly another element to it when you have another shot there and you have a Brent Burns available. Don't get me wrong, but I do think that there is potential for growth there and some, you know, more uh, of a chance to live up to that kind of ADP and, and exceed expectations there. Also, if your league uses plus minus, being a negative three on a pretty poor Sharks team last year really isn't a knock on your team, that, uh, you know, when you're getting the production to be provided. No, no So no, no. that's just something else to consider. Obviously, his five-on-five five numbers, as Jay said, went up, and he was negative three on a team that was probably, I don't even know what the goal differential was, but nowhere near single digits. Uh, it's sort of a safe bet. Well, I'll, I'll address it quickly. I just want to make one sort of counter to what Jace was saying and that, you know, he shot the puck 326 times last year. So, so I don't know how much more that number can really get up. And yes, I, I think 76 points in 77 games last year was, was unreal. I just think the team is not as good this year to the people he's playing with, not necessarily as good. You know, it might be a similar line in that sense, but I feel like they're going to be struggling a lot and, and behind a lot of the games. And I just think it's, it's going to be closer to, you know, 65 points as opposed to, you know, 75 and, and more. Timo Meyer shots to the moon. To the moon. Uh, no, listen, there's definitely a lot of... Stonks. Yeah, to the moon. <laughs> there, there's, there's definitely a lot more risk in the pick. I'm not denying that. And I think it could swing, you know, easily both ways. So uh, I'm happy with the ADP. There is risk. It's just right. It just, it's just right. Just right. Uh, we're going to finish this off here with somebody probably, you know, near and dear to our hearts here. Uh, guys, I want to talk about Jack Campbell. He is at the 78th pick right now, it looks like. You know, that's what, sixth, seventh, eighth round depending on how many people in your league is jack campbell a sixth seventh eighth round fantasy goaltender i'm gonna keep this one quick the answer is no uh i may have changed my mind on defensemen and going a bit earlier this year on them i have not changed my mind on goalies goalies, <laughs> goalies I feel you are can, voodoo you can wait they are voodoo there's always value to be found later in drafts and goalies in my opinion um, get your lineup set with strong offense, strong defense. You'll make the goalies happen. You can always make trades if you need to. Guys get hurt. The, you know, you find spot starts here and there. That, that's how I view things. And Jack Campbell in the seventh, eighth round, I just think there's way better value to be had there. Now, I agree with you completely. Now, that's not to say he's going to perform poorly. He's on a good team. No. Second in their division. It's more so about can you get what he's going to bring to the table? I think, like, you know what, the Leafs were a good team. Austin Matthews, Mitch Barner, you got Edmonton, McDavid, Drysdale. You got a good team over there. Maybe not as good as the Leafs, but I don't think that Campbell's lows from last year are going to be as low. Maybe his highs won't be as high. But really, I do think that he's going to perform. But does that mean you need to take him that early? No. Not to say he's not going to perform well. I just think that actual average draft position is too high. That's, that's a very fair point to add. I, I yeah. should have somewhat mentioned that. I don't think he's going to have a bad year either. I think Edmonton will be a either win that division or finish second. I just don't think taking him in the seventh or eighth round is, is worth it. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I, I think he actually will have a pretty solid year, but uh, it's all about the value, right? And uh, one actually fun fact here. 
uh, if we were to look at the stats in the season past February 1st, so around the All-Star break, he earned the minimum of 15 games played, finished 29th in save percentage out of 38 goalies, uh, and he finished 29th in save percentage. He also had the fewest high danger scoring or shots against in that time. So, you know, everybody likes to knock the defense. I figured I'd actually stand up for the defense in this safe. It's just an interesting note to add on here. So we'll see how he performs. I do think he's going to play just fine. And I do think he'll get the wins and he'll be on a strong team in an otherwise weaker division to begin with. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he will be worth it over. I don't know who else is going in that range. More likely a... Tarasenko might be around that range, or he, Nick Suzuki. Oh, Avery like said it. Last season, he took Timo Meyer in that round. Yeah. Goalies are voodoo. All right, Jace, fun stuff. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's transition over. We're going to play a little game of fantasy over-under. And uh, let's start with uh, – we were talking about defensemen earlier, so I want to kind of keep that train going. And, and obviously, last year – there were two big, I mean, including Victor Hedman, I should say three, um, the three like defensemen over point per game is, is unbelievable really when you think about it. And one of them was Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi last year had 96 points, 96 points. Okay. Uh, do you think Roman Yossi can do that again? Do you think Roman Yossi can be a point per game defense? And again, so do you think he's over or under 81 and a half points guys? Over, because there hasn't been very many changes with Nashville. They weren't a juggernaut. Like, there's nothing really stopping him from doing it again. And it's not like it was a flash in the pan, because he's already won a Norris. He's obviously really talented. At one point, he was on pace for over 100 points. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence. So, do I? would I think 96? That might be pushing it. But point per game... I think that's that's doable easily, depending on the inflation of scoring coming down a little bit. But I think that's doable. Yeah, I, I would. I actually do agree with Steve. I think that uh, I, I think it's definitely doable. My only concern with Roman Yossi is a lot of the guys on Nashville had seasons you definitely didn't expect out of them. Matthew Shane had a much better season than anybody expected. And I do think that that contributed to some higher numbers. I don't think it's far-fetched that Matthew Shane has another season within that realm, nor do I think the same with Ryan Johansson and Mikhail Granlin, especially yeah. if you need a rider in the mix. I think it actually does help. That being said, you know, a lot of points, especially on the power play this year, came from, you know, Matthew Shane scoring, Ryan Johansson scoring, Philip Forsberg contributing. And a lot of that came from that secondary production. I don't necessarily think it is far-fetched for him to do it again. I actually think he will. I think he's a fantastic defenseman who drives play offensively better than most, better than pretty much every defenseman not named Kale McCarr. But I do think that you still need to get some secondary production, let's say, from not the, the primary stars, but the peripheral stars. And I think that if things don't necessarily regress as much as they have for those guys that I mentioned, I definitely think it's in the books. I, I will say yes. I think it'll go over. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I think he will do it. Yes. Surprising. I didn't realize UFC was 32. Just looking at it right now. 
I thought he so, was a little bit younger. You've uh, you've taken uh, one of my points away here, Stephen. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under. Um, you know, to keep it kind of sweet and short here. Um, before last season, he had one season where he was 65 and 69, but he has never come close to point per game other than really in any other season. He's an excellent defenseman. I I he is a top three fantasy defenseman. Do I think he could do again? Absolutely. But I'm gonna go with the numbers. I'm going to take the under and see a bit of regression for Roman Yossi. Um, another one, kind of in a similar boat here, um, a bit of a different situation. Um, Patrick Kane is arguably the greatest American player of all time. Um, I don't think he's had a season where he isn't uh, a point-per-game player in his past uh, four, his last four seasons. He's also not getting any younger, but he is still Patrick Kane. So with that in mind, do you think Patrick Kane will be over 87 and a half points? Do you think he can hit the magic number 88? I'm going to have to be a little bit more pessimistic here. I'm, ge- I'm going to say no. And it's nothing against Patrick Kane. I do think he is the best American player right now. Um, best American right player now? Of, all time, of all time. Of okay. all time. Of all time. Of all time. That being said, like, you don't have to bring it anymore. You're going to be playing with, I mean, this is according to the lines right now, but, you know, maybe you're with the Max Dummy, maybe you're with an Andreas Athanasiu, maybe it's a Taylor Radish, a Philip Kurashev. You're not getting the same kind of one-two punch that you've had in previous seasons with Alex Dabrinkit by his side, right? You don't have the 40-goal scorer beside you riding shotgun. And I think that now, like, don't get me wrong, I don't think that Kane hasn't been burdening a lot of himself with this offense already, but it just becomes, I think, a little bit more overwhelming and a little bit more unattainable. So uh, I'm going to have to say under on the 87 and a half. And uh, I don't necessarily think I'm too happy about it because I do think he's one of the best offensive players really of our our generation, but I'm going to have to say, no, he's not doing it. Yeah. I mean, I'm leaning towards that answer. I, I wish I had a crystal ball and I could see where he ends up because I think there's a really good chance he gets traded to a really good team considering he's got a year left on his contract. As it stands now, I don't think so. Right, You're 33, turning 34. On that team, that's a pretty weak. Even with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, that's a team that's contending for Connor Bedard. That's saying something, right? That's a really weak team. So as it stands, I'd say no. You know, one quarter of this way through the season, he gets traded to, a, you know, a New York Rangers. Uh, Toronto who, Maple who knows Or the Maple Leafs, you know, like if somehow Dubas can get rid of whatever, ends up playing on that left side. Does Kane play left or right? Left. Oh, sorry, right. He's a right winger. Shoots oh, left, would, plays right. He would fit in perfectly on the side of Tavares and Nylander if he was a left winger. But anyways, no, I don't think he's going to hit it because I just don't know when he's going to get traded. Even he gets traded at the trade deadline, too little, too late for 87 and a half points. Do you know, uh, bring up Connor Bedard, do you know what the tank slogan is this year for Connor Bedard? What? So Bob, Bob McKenzie was posting on Twitter the other day talking about he wanted people to send in their best tank slogans. And one of them was, uh, shit the bed hard for Connor Bedard. <laughs> Probably something better than... That's probably more appropriate than some others that came to mind. It's not, it's not bad. It's kind of funny. Obviously, you can't really roll with it on media-wise, but it, it's, it was kind of funny. I laughed. 
It's creative. It's creative. It's, it's creative. provocative. It's different. It rhymes. <laughs> it's gonna be something like dump hard for Connor Bedard. Yeah. Okay. That that's decent. That's decent. That's more PG. Um, but getting back into it, um, fun little stat here. I'm looking at. He is point per game in nine of his last ten seasons. Like the the really just a master of consistency. Now he hasn't really played full seasons, and a lot of that is COVID and shortened seasons and and whatnot. But he's he's unbelievable he's unbelievable i'm gonna take the under as well not because of him though it's because i think everything that can go wrong is going to go wrong for chicago this year and maybe that means it's that's right for them in, in their future um but I, part of me thinks he's not he's gonna get hurt and not necessarily there's been rumors that he's had injuries in the years past and he's played through it um i just don't see the point of really doing that this year and and I, I just think it's going to be – I hate this. He's one of my favorite He's, players They're going to dump hard for Connor Bedard. But they're going to dump hard for Connor Bedard, and I, and I think it's going to hurt Patrick Kane and, and others on that team for sure. Uh, last one I want to do here quickly, and it's more of a fun one, to be honest. And, and I, I just think it's a really dark time to be a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Oh. And, and with that in mind, guys, that, that that's kind of queuing things up. My question to you is: Do you think over any... under Sean Couturier zero points? No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't that's me. I, I'm a, Sean Couturier, I, I, he, it doesn't sound like a good situation there, and you can touch on that in a second. But my question to you is: Any Flyers player this year, do you think they can get over fifty-four and a half points? Can they hit fifty-five? Yeah, I think one of Connect Me. Or Cam Atkinson could do it. I do you think, think they will, or do you think they can? I think they will. I think there's a, whenever there's situations like this that come up, someone has to step up. You know, uh, this is not apples to apples, but San Jose became a weakened team. Timo Meyer had to step up. He stepped up because there's the opportunity. They don't have only terrible players on the team, like the you know Cam Atkinson, thirty goal scorer in the past. Konechny's still pretty young. You know what he can do. I, I think that's. Uh, I think they will. I think somebody will. I don't know who. Maybe it's a. It's someone new. Maybe it's a Farabee. Maybe it's someone we didn't see came out of left field. Fifty four and a half. That's pretty low. Like, did someone in that? Was there someone on Arizona that had over fifty four points? Yeah, Clayton Keller. Someone had to do it. Someone on Philadelphia could have done it last year, and they didn't do it. So come on. No, Travis Connect had fifty two points. How many did Giroux have though? Drew at 42. In 57, I guess he would have been on the team. He, he got traded, so it's like a we're, fair we're thinking point. We're thinking over an 82-game pace, right? Yeah. Like, that's what that's the name of the game here. We're assuming, we're not we're not expecting yeah, no. the we're, we're not predicting injuries themselves. here. Yeah. I think they will. Somebody, somebody please, for Torella's sake. Jace, what do you think? Honestly, I, I really don't. His team is like this team is not in a good spot and they really should be better and they could be better, but I, I'm not, there's just some mismanagement going on. There is some, like, I, I think this is going to be another team in the uh, dump hard for Bedard conversation here. Like, I think that's what we're saying here. Like when your top offensive player is Travis Konechny and this is no knock on Travis Konechny. I've actually been at Travis Konechny, you know, Believer over the last You're a truth, couple of years. Sir. You're a, a couple truth, of years ago, sixty-one and sixty-six. A couple of years ago. Sure, sure, sure. Much better team then. 
much better. They were a playoff team then. <laughs> like, like this team, the whole dynamic of this entire team, the whole mojo, the whole vibe, the whole outlook is Darcy. To be honest, like I actually think that if anybody to do it, I think it would be Joel Farabee. I actually am really high on him. I'm still not taking that bet. I'm still not taking the over. I, I'm going to take the under, and I hate taking the under. Life is too short for the unders, but I'm going to yeah. do it here. There's something about, I don't know, like, I don't know, Tortorella gets something. I, he's not, I don't think he's the right coach for every team, but I just kind of get the same vibe. I think this team's even more mismanaged than Columbus was a couple of years ago. But Tortorella seems to get something out of certain players. Like, would you have ever expected Nick Foligno to put over 70 points in his, in his you know, 32, 33 year of hockey? Or is his birth? <laughs> but would you have expected that? <laughs> no. But I, I don't know. He gets – Konechny seems like the type of guy that, that Tortorella could get going with. He's obviously skilled. And, you know, there's still some pretty good players on there. There's, you know, you still got a James Van Riemsdyk, nowhere near what he was even five, six years ago. But you got a Farabee, you got a Cam Atkinson. Tony D'Angelo can work a power play. I, I, I just think no. 54 is a bit low. John Tortorella teams are hard fought, defensively sound, tough to play against, but they are not offensive dynamos. No, it's low event. They are low event hockey. They are low, low, low event hockey. And I don't think that's bad for them in terms of competing. I don't think it's good for them in terms of hitting offensive overs. I'm going to be honest. And I could be wrong easily. No, I don't think that easily. I, I think they're, uh, I don't think they're hitting it. How great would it be first day of camp, Joel Faraby or anyone really trying out the Michigan just in first day of camp? <laughs> and nothing would make me happier. It's never going to happen, but nothing would make me happier than seeing a torts reaction to a Michigan happening on the first day of camp. If Joel oh, Faraby, if Joel Faraby tries out the Michigan, there's zero chance the over is hit. I honestly, think, <laughs> I actually do think that. Like legit, I, I actually think that the any any chance of success you had in this wager is gone. That's uh... Joel Farabee tries the Michigan and training camp. I'm throwing my beer at the wall. Yeah, because it's not happening. No, it's not. It's not. Connecty goes and fights one of the prospects and starts a brawl. I'm chugging my beer. It's happening. If somebody no, tries I... to skill it up, there will be repercussions. Essentially full-time hockey no i i i think it's dark dark days ahead in philly i i'm gonna take the out under two with jace i just i don't see an, a, a, an astounding group of offensively talented players the the year with felino at least you know he was playing with panarin i think in atkinson so you know there was definitely some talent around him and i just don't i don't see uh bright days ahead for philadelphia but uh Let's, uh, let's get out of here each with one hot take. We're not going to take too long, but uh, one hot take each, and then we'll wrap it up before we, uh, before we get out of here, okay? So, Jace, we'll start with you. What's your hot take? Thomas Shabbat, top five fantasy defenseman. Boom. Hot. Spicy. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm going here. Oh, yeah. All right. Turn up the heat. I think... One of the two Leafs goaltenders, that being Samsonov and Matt Murray, will be a top 10 fantasy goalie option. Pick one. Which one is it? <laughs> Samsonov. Oh, that's, that's hot. hot take. That's hot. 
That's, that's like thing. really hot. Send me oh, some extra wow. hot sriracha with some chili flakes on top. I like it hot. I like it wow. spicy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Those are those are both relatively hot takes. I don't know if mine is up there, but uh, I'm gonna go a bit off the board. I have ranked higher than Jay's. I think Andre Burakovsky is going to have a hell of a year. Um, I really think, and he kind of talked about it this summer, how he's, you know, his entire career, he's had to play behind guys like Ovi, guys like McKinnon. I think he's going to have a point-per-game season this year. Point-per-game season for Andre Burakovsky. Last year, 61-80. and 80. Um, That's playing, you know, what is it here? 16 minutes a night um, on, a, on a second line, not on the first power play. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity for him this year in Seattle. Uh, I do think he's playing with relatively good players. I think there is some talent there. And Jared McCann and, and Bjorkstrand, Yanni Gord, a couple other guys. Beneers, Even Matty Beneers. Matty Beneers is, is an interesting player for sure. Uh, I think Andre Burkowski is going to have a really good year in leading that team, leading that Kraken team in their second year. I take the over for Matty Beneers, 54 and a half. That's also bold. I Maybe not I don't bold, think that's bold. But Hey, you don't think so? Limited sample size last year. He looked pretty good. Pretty good. Point per game, if I'm not mistaken. That being said, it was a pretty small like sample size. But Small sample no. size and was given a good opportunity, I think, with some guys hurt at the end of the year. Um, you know, it's that's not that's that's a really good rookie season, right? Putting up 55 points in these this day and age. And it is, you know, but, but what he could be a really special player. So that's yeah. that's an interesting bet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's no oh, three guys hot takes Burgovsky point per game Samsonov a top 10 fantasy goalie and Thomas Shabbat top five fantasy defenseman all pretty bold oh, so Makar Yossi Hedman John Carlson Thomas Shabbat Thomas Shabbat that means he's getting ahead of you know guys like Latang Brett Burns you know Ekblad Morgan Riley put up Morgan Riley points. I think Devin Taves is going to be up there. Like, there's that's uh, high skin. Then there's a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of guys this year to be looking at. That's an interesting little pick. But we're going to be looking at a lot of that uh, next week. We're going to get our rankings should be dropping sometime in the next few days. And uh, with that, we're going to have a lot of debates next week on our show, and uh, maybe do a little mock drafting too, and get start to get you really prepared for drafts in the upcoming weeks. But you know, everything's right around the corner. It's uh, it's an exciting time. We're so happy to be back. It's 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 been a blast to kind of get back into it, and uh, it was a it was a fun little show. We uh, we always appreciate you guys listening, and you know we can't wait to to really get it going again this year. So nice to be back. I missed you boys, uh, and yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be week. our first real year too. No, hopefully, fingers crossed. No COVID implications. So uh, I'm excited. Jay's final words, final thoughts. Let's go. We are getting ramped up here. It is fantasy hockey season, and the juices are flowing. The content's going to be coming. Let's get into this. Let's start this off right. Let's, uh, let's start 2023 with or the 2023 fantasy hockey season with a bang, fellas. Let's do it. 22-23. You got to give. You got to give. Buckle up. Let's have, uh, have a great week, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Peace!